Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. I'm super excited about today's episode because we're going to start a new journey with a new jammer. So why don't you introduce this uh, person to the audience out there? Yes, I'm super excited to talk to this guy, too. I've been waiting to talk to him for a long time. He uh, has two FPA World titles. He has performed with Palabolas and even done freestyle frisbee performances with Cirque du Soleil. He's one of New York City's finest freestylers. Welcome to the call, Daniel O'Neill. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, to join you on Shooting the Frisbees. I've been listening to this podcast since its inception and um, honored to finally join you guys. You know, obviously we, we have lots of questions that we want to get into, but you know, the first place that we start with everyone is the obvious one, and that is, how did Frisbee come into your life? Frisbee, uh, I actually found Ultimate Frisbee before Freestyle, uh, and not really until high school. Like, my my earliest memories of being truly interested in Frisbee were, uh, were in high school. I actually, yeah, I played mostly basketball and soccer pretty competitively. And that was like fall, winter. So in the spring, I didn't really have like a competitive sport and I wanted to do theater. Um, So ultimate Frisbee was the sport where you could like stay on campus. It was like the easy, like kind of slacker sport that I picked up in junior, senior year of high school just because it was there and available. And then I found freestyle Frisbee in college. So when I moved to New York City, I was 18 years old. And in my orientation group was James Wiseman. And James had learned to play freestyle uh, the summer prior to coming to Columbia from Daniel Arnell in Austin, Texas. So uh, I met James on my very first day of college. And I think he just kind of described this, uh, you know, this activity, this new sport that, that he had learned over the summer. And I was definitely looking for something to fill this athletic void because I, I wasn't going to play D1 basketball or, or soccer, but I really, really love sports and I played all my life. So James said, yeah, come out to the park. I hear that there's these guys who play in Central Park. So we uh, we went out there together. It's actually a funny story. The first time we went to, to Central Park, it was pouring down rain. Um, so we went to find them in Sheep Meadow, but it was closed and we didn't know to look at the, in the band shell yet. Um, so we just wound up in like some side grass, me and James, James could delay. He was teaching me how to throw it with some Z's, um, and just trying to kind of teach me how to play. And I remember going home in my dorm room that night, he gave me a Frisbee and just two hands over and over spinning it up to myself, trying to get the nail delay. Like I, I thought that was like the, you know, the key. And I and asked James, I hope I'm not <laughs> elaborating or embellishing, but I'm, yeah, I think this is the the true story that I, you know, I pretty much learned to delay that, that same first night wow. in my room. I called up James probably around 11 p.m. or midnight, um, which at that point maybe wasn't 
quite after James's bedtime yet, but <laughs> anyway. Um, so we went back out and played again, like on the lawns of Columbia, late night, like maybe midnight, and still the first day or two of college. Um, and I was like, dude, I called him up. I was like, dude, I can delay. I taught myself how to delay. Like, I got to show you this. So we went out and played at Columbia. It, but I just did it in my room so many times. I, I was so confident that I could do it. But also at that time, the, the key was that we didn't really understand that there was clock and counter and that he was throwing it with his right hand to me, but I was a counter player. And, I, and we just didn't really know enough to, to make that distinction at the time. So that's a long-winded answer, but, uh, but that was kind of my, my entry into Frisbee sports and, and into freestyle. Amazing that you were so fired up that you just said, I'm going to get this delay down like the very first day that you were introduced to it. So did you feel like that was the moment that you had the freestyle bug? Like, did you, did it like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this? Or was that a little bit further down once you started acquiring a few more skills? I think I was into it somewhat, but definitely I would not say I'd caught the bug even at that point at all. You know, I just kind of really wanted to conquer this one thing of learning, learning an ill leg. And I played a lot of Frisbee, ultimate Frisbee in high school. I just thought it was cool, but I don't think at that point I'd really seen a jam, you know, multiple people playing together. I didn't really know to look online that much. I can't remember if James might have showed me a video or two. Um, but I would say that, that that came a little bit later when, you know, we went out to Central Park and I started seeing Joey Udalklin, Roger Meyer, Rob Freed, Doug Simon, these guys start to play. And I think that's what really entranced James and I and, and made us stick around. And, and I say it like that because, you know, they were, they were a bit stubborn when we first got there, got there, they weren't particularly you know, inviting, saying, hey, we're going to TT, come come and play. It was kind of like, well, don't bust our jam. And I guess you can watch over there on the side. Right. <laughs> we definitely had to earn our cred and kind of show that um, that we were serious. Because I think right. that, that's the thing is it's, you know, it's a steep learning curve. And a lot of people kind of make, show a spark of, or flash of interest, but don't really want to put the work into that you need to. Right. Well, that's why I'm asking about that freestyle bug, because obviously a light, a spark went on with the delay. Right. And it's so awesome that you had James to kind of be at that same level to kind of go on that journey together. I always am so curious about like when is it when the bug hits that you go, I have to do this. I don't know if there was a moment that you went, oh, the light bulb was there. Was it just kind of a it just kind of progressed to like, oh, I've got to do this now. I can't remember exactly, but I remember that that I took a a pretty strong interest in it early on. And, you know, I put most of my practice hours in the first couple years that I started playing. Like the most focused practice that I've ever done as a freestyler was in the first three or four years that I started playing. That's usually what it takes when you're a new player. You have to put in all those hours to get up the base level of skills. And then suddenly it doesn't seem like work anymore. It's more fun. So you and James played the first time, then you played the next day. How did you transition from just playing with each other to finding everybody at the Meadow? I, I think, I mean, and James would be a better person to ask, but I think Daniel Arnell kind of helped James out and said, you know, they play in Sheep Meadow, maybe the manhole cover. So we knew where to look for them. 
And we just got unlucky that it was raining so hard the first day. So we went back. We found them in Sheep Meadow. You know, I think like James showed off that he could delay. And that's like kind of your first kind of key that you can at least, uh, it's like, oh, okay. So you, you put in some time to be able to do that. Um, I still probably couldn't, at least not off somebody else's throw. But um, yeah, you know, I think they early on the, the advice of the New Yorkers and to this day, it's it's fantastic advice was start with throw and catch. And like they pushed a lot of speed flow on James and I early on um, and tried to try to not let us get ahead of ourselves because, you know, it's tough when you're watching that level of, you know, you want to go for what you're seeing and but you can learn a lot more if you kind of focus on the basics and stay stay one or two steps outside of your game, not, you know, five or six. I think that's great advice for us who've been playing for a long time that sometimes we forget that the learning curve is so steep and we want somebody to learn way faster than they are. And we got to realize that that curve is steep and to be patient and encourage those basics and fundamentals so that they can have success and not expect them to be doing double spinning crow in a week and a half, you know. Definitely. So did you and James start to just play catch? No, I, I, I mean, again, like I think James and I are were and are always we need to take that advice to kind of slow down because we both are pushing each other. We're very competitive, pushing ourselves. We definitely were trying to do everything under the sun that I, I mean. So, no, I think that, that that was kind of the struggle was James and I wanted to you know, go for guidance, try and nail delay everything that came, you know, our way, even if it didn't have any spin on it. We were taught by the, by the New Yorkers to start with the basics, you know, practice, you can practice the nail delay in your room, that there's some stuff that when you get out on the field with other people that, you know, you want to keep a a good flow. (laughs) And when you're, when you're just starting out, it's, that's easier said than done. So Daniel, you started learning counter. I started learning counter first, and that's just because, you know, in my room, for whatever reason, it was more natural for me to put my right hand and back on that two-handed kind of push-up throw, and so that's how I taught myself. It just came naturally to me, counter on the right hand, what I stuck with. Yeah, and I mean, I feel lucky to have learned counter first, and yes, counter is still my dominant spin. But it's hard to watch when I watch you play. I can't really tell which one is your dominant spin. So I was just curious if it even still mattered to you at all. I have different moves that I'm better at on counter and clock. And to be honest, I think that a lot of people would fall into the same category of me. But yeah, I do my center work, my delays better on counter. If I'm going to set up a spinning catch or a multi-spinning catch, probably want to set that up with counter. But if I'm doing brushing and rolling, then I'm much more comfortable doing that clock. If I had to just define it loosely into how my how I categorize my categorize my game, like my center work I do on counter and my brushing and rolling I do with the clock. That's uh, I think that's what Joey told us about his game too. Yep. How much of an influence was he as you were a new player coming up? <sighs> Easily, Joey Hudalkin has been the biggest influence in my game. Uh, since the beginning and he's I really look up to him as a mentor on and off the field yeah he you know I was lucky that when I was in New York he was he's still living in New York and so for those first four or five years that I was playing uh Joey was there uh in the in the meadow every week so I got to 
know, I got to play with him often. I got to watch him play often um, and just, you know, see how how his brain works and and pick his brain. Um, and, you know, so that was cool. He, I mean, all those New York, New York early generation players were the were the biggest influences in my game. So, you know, I got to give the nod not just to Joey, but to Rob. Roger, Doug, Brad, Paul Mondesire, Trevor, um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting plenty more. But uh, you know, those that that New York crew is uh, is some of the best teachers that you could hope to have as a as a new and upcoming freestyler. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you were really lucky to have that crust and that depth of knowledge to be able to tap into, for sure. You also had another a beginner player that also went to Columbia, and that was Emma Kale. And she was there with you and James as well. So you had a nice three-person team to kind of grow together. Yeah, well, she was one year, one or two, I just, I think only one year behind us. So as freshman, when she wasn't there yet, she was still in high school. But she saw me and James playing on campus when we were sophomores, like er, when she was early on in her freshman year, she saw us just playing on campus. And she had already learned to play years prior from Mary Lowry in Seattle. So she was way more focused on ultimate that time. And she was playing for the Columbia women's ultimate team, I believe. Um, But she saw us play and she's like, yeah, I know how to do that. And, and she came and, you know, busted our jam. Bill said, "Wait, hey, wait a minute! I know how to do this. Like, who, who the heck are you guys? Right, like, right. Probably the only other young American. Like, crazy coincidence. And so, so yeah. I mean, we were extremely fortunate to to have Emma there at Columbia at the same time with us. She was part of Team Cuff, C U F F, Columbia University Freestyle Frisbee, which is a uh-huh. uh, yeah, there, there, it was, you know, me and James, we applied for a club, like Columbia club status one year. Did you already talk to him about this? Can't remember. No. Um, Tell us. Yeah. yeah. So me and James in like our junior or senior year, like we tried to be like create like the Columbia University Freestyle Frisbee Club. Um, and so we like went and talked to the, you know, Dean of Athletics or something. And we filled out this big application and we got denied like they just didn't even want us as a club and i i can't remember why james james would would remember um but we did make some frisbees there's like a very limited run if you ever get your hands on the purple hot stamp very rare columbia university freestyle frisbee discs but yeah me emma and james that was the team probably in junior or senior year also that james started to spread the jam project and emma kale was the very first spread the jam project video uh, which we filmed on columbia's campus and a lot of those were filmed in or around morningside heights um in new york city so so, yeah, I think we started on, you know, what, where did Emma come into play? But she was a year behind us at school. And um, so we found each other pretty soon after she got there. And and we were playing three, four times uh, a week during those college years. And then what's also cool is that all three of you went on to become world champions. So, I mean, that is freaking awesome. 
you know, because you and James are the same age and you went to the same college, you guys are often talked about in the same sentence. Um, you both become top players. So I'm just curious, what, what has that been like? Well, I think at, I think that at the first of all, he's one of my very best friends. And I think that thank God we have James Wiseman in our in our sport. And um, and especially for me as a player, like I think, uh, you know, I might have said it earlier, but James and I, as we grew up as players, we really pushed each other. And so that's the other reason not you yeah you want somebody who's just as bad as you when you're starting so it's not as intimidating but you want somebody a little bit better than you all along the way who's kind of pushing you to up your game so that you know you know what i mean so all yeah. along the way james was pushing me to get better and there was a discussion i think for a long time about who was better you know you're and and then he took it away, you know, at some point. So I still try to push James to to be better and better. But at a certain point, you know, he just was way more disciplined. He carried forward the same kind of practice everyday mentality that we had in college, even to this day. And I can't say the same for myself. Um, I'd love to. You know, I admit that I'd love to, I want to practice like that again. Um, so, you know, maybe by putting it out here, it's a challenge to myself to, to do it. And, to you know, I, I still compete with James uh, in, a, in a healthy, in a very healthy way. When he's on my team, I want to win. When he's not on my team, I want to kick his ass. It's my number one. Yeah. <laughs> I got to beat James. That's the number yeah. one goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy. It's a rare bird who's going to do that deep dive into the technical freestyle that James has. I mean, there hasn't been many who have done that. I mean, I can think of a handful. Like, it's pretty rare. But what's interesting about you two is that you both are these top-level players, and you both have grabbed onto kind of different elements where you shine. Like, James is like a technical wizard but you're you've got this creative uh wizardry that is really cool that you know james can't get to and so it's kind of cool to see you guys grow and then go on your own ways and bring your own sauce to the the table so it's 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 cool it's not to say one's better than the other they're just both really cool to watch Wow, that was a great conversation with Daniel. So just reflecting back a little bit, um, I had some. Uh, I had a similar experience to Daniel. So Daniel kind of grew up with James as a partner, and they started together, and they pushed each other. And I, I had a similar experience with my brother Matt. You know, we both started at about the same time, and we both practiced together and improved together. And I would see him learn a move, and then I'd want to learn that move, and vice versa. He would see me do something, and he'd want to learn to do something, and it really pushed us both to get a lot better. And I can see how that has worked out for James and Daniel. But now when you look at them today, kind of how that conversation ended, how they, James and Daniel both have such different styles. And I think that's really a testament to how people's personalities come out in freestyle. It's not really just freestyle is this one specific thing. You do this move and this move is the same for everybody. The way people interpret it is completely different. And you can really tell who a person is just by watching how they play. Yeah, it's interesting 
that reflection of you know you you're starting out and you kind of are learning that fundamental those that base your technical parts and then once you kind of get past that you start to find your own voice like you say that you know you start to develop your own style and it was just super apparent between James and Daniel you know they really went different directions both great technicians a very unique styles uh, that identify them specifically yeah you know one thing i noticed early in my freestyle career is that if i was walking up to the jam but i was still really far away people were like just a couple inches tall in my vision i could still tell who they were just by watching how they played i couldn't tell who they were by their faces or their bodies but how they moved i could tell who they were it's like a fingerprint (laughs) a freestyle fingerprint i love that that's pretty cool Well, thanks to Daniel uh, for joining us. We have more episodes that we'll get to share down the road, so we're excited about that. Something folks can look forward to. Also, just want to say thanks to all the folks out there for listening. We are coming up on almost 20,000 downloads to date. We're coming up to our 100th episode. I never imagined that we would get to this. So anyways, thanks for doing this journey with me, Jake. Uh, It's been really great fun. Yeah, thanks for doing this journey with me too, Randy. It's still, even though we've approaching 100 it still feels kind of new to me which is kind of crazy so just want to say thanks to all the listeners too for all of your support and coming on this journey with us and uh, you know if you want to continue to support us you can go to patreon and become a patron or you can go up to frisbee guru and click the donate button and just donate all of that uh, that income helps support the podcast so it keeps the servers running and the audio recording equipment up to date and it also supports the live streams um, so we really appreciate your help and uh, you being a part of this. And on that note, Jake, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville. Shooting the Frisbees and live streaming freestyle Frisbee. 